Welcome to the Trevor Stobbs Show, episode number 47. Today we have a very special episode because we have not one, but two guests. We have both of the U.S. distance champions from this past year, Ella Hansen and David Wiggins Jr. We're going to talk to them all about that really special event and ask them about how they accomplished those amazingly far throws. Let's hop right into it. All right, we welcome in two guests today. This is a first for the Trevor Stop Show. We have two guests. Um, today we have the 2022 U.S. Distance Champions, Ella Hansen and David Wiggins Jr. Thank you so much for both of you for joining the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, um, so the first thing I want to talk about, you know, obviously uh, we want to talk about the U.S. Distance Championship. You guys uh, took down the MPO and FPO divisions respectively. Um, I want to talk about just overall impressions of the event to start with. You know, it was really well-structured, well-produced. There was good prize money. Like, for me, it really took me aback as far as I've seen whispers of distance competitions, and you kind of hear about them almost as like a side thing. But this was one that, like, was really put on as a serious event. Um, And I want to start with you, David, since you've been in the distance game for a long time. You know, that you're not new to this at all. Uh, Where does this rank as far as the best run distance events you've ever been a part of? It's right there at the top as far as, you know, the level of professionalism and as far as the production and everything goes. It's it's got to take that first spot, really. It was yeah. uh, pretty cool to be a part of. And, you know, the technology that we have now with the, with the radar guns and the drones and everything, there's, there's there's been nothing at this level yet. I can tell you that much. Yeah, it certainly seemed like it was at the pinnacle. Ella, were you surprised to see all the bells and whistles they pulled out for a distance event or did it just kind of meet your expectations? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm much newer to the game and especially the distance side than David is, but yeah, it was I would say it was definitely top tier. I I was not quite expecting all that stuff and it was really fun to be a part of. Yeah, did it ever um I I noticed like one of the crazy things they had was the FPV drones following those shots. Um starting with you Ella, did did that ever like affect you at all while you were throwing like hearing that thing getting closer to you? I definitely was aware of it like Yeah noticed it when you know a couple other people were throwing their preliminary shots um but i'm in general i feel like i'm pretty good at not getting razzed by stuff so it didn't really bother me i was just a little stressed maybe that it would like hit my disc or something but you know (laughs) yeah yeah david what about you did you did you have any moments where you're like hmm i hope that drone doesn't run into me at full speed no i wasn't too worried about it (laughs) skyote he's a he's a pro at that for sure. I mean, yeah, I was going to say that the, the pilot did a fantastic job with that. I yeah. mean, I, I was thinking to myself, if you put me in control of that thing, I'm going to hit the person or I'm going to run into the disc at some point because they were right up next to it. Um, so, Ella, you historically have been known as one of the furthest rowers on tour in the FPO division, uh, and you actually won the distance competition at Worlds this past year. Uh, so going into this event, were you confident in a win or were you not really sure? Um, I was pretty excited. I, I was feeling good about my game, but I also had, I think I had driven for like eight hours earlier that day. And so I was, yeah, you know, I wasn't quite, quite super warmed up. Um, and obviously like there's a lot of really good throwers, uh, on the FPO side and, you know, they're, especially the, the Europeans like Haiti and Henna and Evelina all have, you know, big arms. So I didn't really know what to expect in terms of distance from them. Yeah, there were certainly some rippers out there. It was cool having the um, pocket radar out there to see just the miles per hour that, that all the players were able to generate. And you could really see that there's a lot of players that have the speed. It, it just a lot of times comes down to the technique and angle, you could tell. Um, now, David, you, you certainly have been known as kind of the premier name in MPO distance uh, for some time at this point. 
when you're going into an event like this and it's really being, you know, this was like a, a big exposure opportunity for kind of the distant scene being produced this well, um, being showcased in this way. Does that reputation weigh on you as you're stepping into an event like this, knowing like, man, I've never had a chance to like show off that I'm the distance guy and th- this is a big stage. Is that something you feel? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was coming out there after taking a, a break. My last US DGC was 2015 or so. So, you know, I was feeling it. I know there's a lot of young guns out there and everything, yeah. but I wanted to see if I could still come out on top. And uh, that was definitely, you know, pushed me to go out there and practice a little bit for it. Yeah. Who do you think was like your number one threat as you were thinking about it? Like, who is the guy you were thinking that are going to be tough to beat? Um, you know, going into it, there's there's a few names that I heard of that have been bombing, and I got to see them at some pro tour events like Anthony Barella, mm-hmm. um, Drew Gibson. He didn't end up throwing in the competition, and Albert Tam. And when I yeah. saw him throw for the first time, I was like, "Yeah, this, is, <laughs> this dude's got it for sure." Yeah, his was he was crazy because he wasn't even doing a 360. He looked like he was throwing yeah. simple golf shots, and his speed was nuts. Like. 80, 80 miles an hour plus. That was absolutely crazy. Uh, now, another thing, David, correct me if I'm wrong, but did you play a qualifying round that day of the of the competition for USDC? Yeah, I did. I attempted the Monday qualifier and didn't, didn't make the cut, so. Yeah, now, but is that, did you end up, did you have to do that before the distance competition? Yeah, that was. Yeah, so was that something, did you feel like that tired you out at all, or was that like almost a good warm-up to have before throwing for distance? Yeah, it was pretty much a good warm-up. I wasn't okay. too concerned about tiring myself out out there. Even though there's some bigger shots, I wasn't going max power for the most part out there. So it wasn't yeah. too much of a concern. Yeah, I was, I was wondering about that. And Ella, you, at this point, now you said you had driven eight hours. So was were you getting there for your first day of throw pink practice? Yeah, it was. I was actually up in Baltimore at my grandma's 90th birthday party <laughs> with okay. my family. Um, and I, yeah, I hit the road and... Um, drove on down and basically hopped like right out of the car and I don't even think I threw any warm up shots before nice. I before I did the preliminaries, but yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow, even more impressive then, so no warm ups. Um so I want to talk a little bit about the the format of the competition because I think this is one thing that was really cool. Um five throws in three minutes. Uh, have to land on a 200-foot wide fairway. I think that was the biggest factor. Uh, and then you had the qualifying rounds advance you to the finals, and then the scores reset, final round for the winner. Uh, starting with you, David, you know, you've done a lot of these events. Did you enjoy that format, and it, it, are there any changes you'd like to see in the f- future? No, I really enjoyed the format all around. Um, it is tricky when you have a landing zone that you have to hit, mm-hmm. like we had the OB on either side. But a lot of that was due to the fact that that's how wide of an area we had to throw. There was a tree line on either side, so the OB yeah. was strung on each of those tree lines, kind of limiting the throws to begin with. But uh, it, it is fun to have a wide open field that you can pick the wind or like out in the desert where you can set up in any direction of the wind that you want to. But it definitely adds another challenge to the competition. Yeah, that, that that's true for sure. Ella, what did you think about the format? Would you change anything? Yeah, I, I agree with David. I think it was it was well set up, and yeah, the the challenge of having the wind, you know, go in a in a specific direction, and there's not really anything you can do about it. I haven't been out in the desert and haven't gotten a chance to you know throw to try to break the world record or anything like that. But um, I think 
it definitely is, is a, a unique challenge to just have your wind and have to try to figure out how to get max distance out of it. Yeah, I felt like uh, you could tell the wind was kind of swirling. Um, David, did you feel like that was a factor throughout the day as far as some people just getting bad wind and others getting just like the perfect wind? Yeah, definitely a huge factor going into it. There was a there was a few throws that just caught the wind perfectly. And, yeah. you know, you can add 50 feet if you have a good crosswind and get an air bounce at the end. So when we moved into the finals, we went from like a tail cross to more of a straight cross and almost a slight bit ahead in there. So that really hurt the throws, and you can see that reflected in the, in the finals distances for the most part. Yeah, certainly. Ella, did you feel like there were times where you were definitely feeling the wind as a factor, like having it affect your throws, whether it be positive or negative? Yeah, I think it, like, yeah, I was definitely getting a little swirly. I felt like when I had my best throw in the finals, I mm-hmm. I had, like, a slight left-to-right tail, um, which I think definitely helped out with the, the distance there. But um, it, it kind of wasn't, it wasn't super consistent. So I don't think that it affected each person's throws like hugely, but I think it definitely was a factor. Right. And it didn't seem like overly strong to where it was going to be like night and day. Um, but I will say, you know, with the wind being favorable for a lot of the shots, plus the slight downhill, I think a lot of the, the commentary team kind of said it was playing a little bit soft distance wise. David, how, how far would you give it? Do you think as far as like the, the wind and the downhill slope, how many feet of uh, help or do you think there was out there? Oh, on a max throw, I would say close to 50 feet. Okay. You add those two elements together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was one thing I was wondering because I, I saw the scores and I knew that those scores were possible for sure as far as the feet, but they seemed pretty high to me. And I was also thinking the wind wasn't blowing like crazy hard. So they were like really impressive. Um, but I know that the slight downhill can make a big difference there, but there were definitely a lot of rips regardless. Um, so with the five disc format, I thought this was one of the, this is kind of one of the cool parts of that, um, event is you, because you only have five shots, there's a lot of pressure and strategy in that. Uh, you see, you saw a lot of players, you know, three bad shots. I know David, I believe it was in your finals. I think it was your first three weren't like your perfect shots. It took till that fourth one. Um, it was either the finals or the qualifying, but there were a lot of players who had that happen where that, you know, shots go by and all of a sudden you get towards those last discs. Um, so starting with you, Ella, with the five disc format, did you have a certain strategy like first disc, I'm going to do this, then that, or was it just full effort? Every single one. We'll see what happens. Um, I sort of had a bit of a strategy. I was throwing a couple different molds, a couple of Innova molded, uh, DD threes, a couple of Dismania molded ones. Um, okay. and I ended up keeping the two that I had from the same run that I threw hit my furthest one in the uh, world's distance contest for the last, just because I felt like I sort of knew how they were going to fly a little bit better and got a sense of it with my first couple throws. And then, uh, yeah, saved those for when I was feeling good, feeling confident. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And, and David, how about you? Because I noticed in your finals round, your first line seemed to be a little bit of a safer lower line with a more stable disc. Was that something you were kind of factoring in? Yeah, I had a uh, really overstable champion boss I threw out there first just to kind of test the wind and try to get a decent throw out there to set a mark. And after that, I, I transitioned into some of my less overstable bosses that I could really rip out there on a higher line trying to go for max distance. Yeah, and David, do you think that like five discs, three minutes is a good sweet spot, or would you like to see more throws, 
um, less time maybe to make it more of a squeeze that was there, was there any way you would adjust that it time has never really been a factor with those five yeah. throws for me and i think that's the case for most most throwers they feel like wow that that went by you know a lot slower than you might have thought so right. there's normally time left over at the end of the set and honestly when you're throwing five shots as hard as you can with that much power, you're pretty winded after those five. So I think it's a good, I think it's a good amount of throws. In a That's fair true. Amount you, of time. yeah, you wouldn't necessarily want to see somebody throwing ten shots, and by the tenth one, by like throw seven, they're all just going way shorter because they just have nothing left in the tank. I did, I noticed a lot of players like walking back to the tent, like breathing heavy, like and it is. Oh it's yeah, like, it's a big run up, a big chuck, like, and there's a lot of adrenaline going on too. So you have that factoring in. The heart rate is definitely up. Um, so, other thing, David, that I noticed is, so when you got your longest throw and play at 698 feet in the finals, uh, which was a bomb, I believe that was the second furthest of the day, um, you still had a few bombers in front of you, though, because your qualifying score wasn't as high as your final score. You had Albert and AB uh, ahead of you. How confident were you that your throw would stay on top of the leaderboard? Uh, when I threw that one, I knew that I had a really good flight on it. It didn't, yeah. it didn't really catch the wind or get a good air bounce, but I, I threw it close to the max potential that I had for the given position or conditions. Yeah. So I, I felt pretty good about it. I knew it was going to be a hard number to beat. Yeah, that one was super high, I remember. Like, you got really good height on that one and just gave it a ton of time for sure. Um, Ella, your furthest throw was 552 feet, only 16 feet shy of the women's distance record. Uh, you mentioned afterwards on the interview that you would love to get out to the desert sometime and try to set that new record. Do you think you'd have a good shot at taking it down? And how far do you think your max throw could get? Are you going to hit 600 or even further? Yeah, I honestly, I think I have a pretty good shot at it. I mean, I think I have a, a lot of power. You know, David, I might might pick your brain a little bit about adding a 360 to my run-up. Absolutely. Get a little more power that way. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, especially only having played disc golf for three years, being able to hit that with minimal wind and, you know, obviously a little bit of downhill, but I think I think I have a really good good chance at it. And hopefully I'll be getting out to the desert sometime this year. Just want to take a quick break from the interview to tell you about an awesome thing that's going down on foundationdisc.com right now. Some of you may already know or you might not know that we have a program called Birdie Coin on our website. This is basically a rewards program that allows you to sign up for free and earn points the more that you spend on our site, refer people. You can get points by liking our Facebook page, things of that nature. Right now, we're running a special promo through Valentine's Day where you can earn double the birdie coin. That means you're going to get double the points, which is going to get you to those rewards even faster than before. So if you haven't done this already, go and sign up for birdie coin and make sure to be earning those double points now through Valentine's Day. Let's hop right back into the interview. Yeah, I was wondering, um, and maybe this is a question for you, David, because you've been out there before, but like, what's it going to take for the desert distance record attempts to come back and who do you think, like, who's going to be the company that steps up and brings that back to the mainstream? Because in theory, it's not super hard to organize. You know, somebody just has to kind of make that happen. And I think, you know, seeing how well this competition video is doing, the people want to see distance throws. It's exciting. It's a fun thing to do. Setting records is, is exciting. Um, do you see that happening soon, David? Is that like what company is going to bring that to the mainstream? You know, there's nothing, there's nothing on the calendar right now, but after all the attention that this competition's getting i could definitely see it happening um maybe i don't know if it'll happen this year but in the following years bringing it back it used to be yeah. called big d in the desert and it was a pretty yeah. big event that brought people from all over the world and it was essentially only throwers and 
we didn't have coverage because didn't have the technology at that point. But if you could put those two things together and allow spectators to come out, I think it could be a successful, fun event, especially since it's near Vegas. Yeah, honestly, at this point, if if nobody else is going to do it, Foundation might just have to do it because somebody Let's somebody has to put that on. Like <laughs> it, it's it's so exciting. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, just having the, the new record attempts is, is just a great thing for the sport. I think it's super exciting. Um, so, Ella, you obviously, uh, distance is one of your specialties out there. You know, if you ever watch coverage with you in it, it's Ian Anderson every single time saying, and Ella can crush, like she can crush. Like I swear every time you throw a disc, that's all, that's all he says. Um, but have you ever trained specifically for distance or is it something you just kind of have a natural talent for and it's come from your ultimate background? Yeah, I mean, I haven't really trained that much specifically for distance, pretty much at all. I, I've trained to try to throw further on the course, but I haven't yeah. really gone for a specific distance shots. So, yeah, no, I, I think if I put my mind to it and get something planned out there, I feel like I have, yeah, a pretty good shot at <laughs> giving, yeah. giving Jen Allen a, a run for her money. For sure, and, and you mentioned the 360 throw. That's something I wanted to ask about because – there's not many who can do it and do it well. David, at this point, has done it so many times that like, he's very accurate with it. Um, AB was out there doing it, and he, he's, he's a little less uh, accurate, but he had some good technique. Um, I've tried it many a times. And I have no clue. Like I'm spraying the disc all over the place. <laughs> Is that something that you've really toyed with at all, or are you just, do you know it's going to take a little bit of practice to like, get it to anywhere where it's usable? Uh, I kind of messed around with it, like, when I was playing Ultimate, doing, like, pulls and stuff, but, okay. um, I haven't really tried it that much with disc golf, but I, I feel like it's something that I feel pretty confident I can, <laughs> can learn, and, you know, it might, might take some practice, but I feel like I can nail it down, it seems like that's one of the ways I can, can add a few more feet. Yeah, well, it's certainly, like, you mentioned, you know, a lot of the training that you're, you would a even do for disc golf as far as distance is required, you know, weight training, things of that nature, that is very much applicable to your normal disc golf game, whereas the 360 is very much in a separate arena. Like, it's yeah. something you have to perfect. And I feel like the 360 is very much not useful until you perfect it. Like, would you agree with that, David? It's something where, like, until you get it to where it's perfect, your timing might actually be way worse. Yeah. In order to improve your distance on your regular backhand, if you have it down, you've got to have a solid 360 where that timing's coming together to allow you to really get that extra speed from it. yeah i think it's all about kind of getting that hit point right i think one of the cool shots they had for the competition was that hover drone above where they could show your 360 and see how that foot is landing just at the right time to time with your arm and get that pull through um because yeah it, it is it is quite a feat of timing that is for sure um so one thing i was wondering with the popularity of this event um, it was run really well. It's got such a crazy reception, you know, online. It's really for disc golf video. It's doing incredibly well. Um, you know, David, as somebody who specializes in distance throwing, what would you think of a long drive tour? This is something that, you know, I kind of thought of earlier. I was like, you know, it wouldn't be super hard for them to run these events at every pro tour stop. Just do it kind of, you know, it doesn't take a ton of time. I think there'd be a lot of fan interest. How cool would it be to see a kind of a tour and have standings throughout the year? Is that something that you'd be interested in and you think would be feasible? I think it would definitely be – it would draw interest. I mean, having an exhibition like that for people to come and see the disc fly that far would certainly get some eyes on it. I don't know if we can sustain it yet, but I'd definitely like to see more distance competitions um, in the sport moving forward, especially when you have everybody together at these bigger pro tour events. 
If yeah, nothing I, else, improve on the ones that we have, like the World Championships, turn that into a, a, a larger competition format. Right. Yeah. I think I think there's like there's an undeniable um, movement in disc golf where like when people are throwing far and doing the distance, people like to watch that. I mean, if you see like the USDDC showcase that they do, like people all gather around to watch that. People like seeing the disc fly far, and when you see the top throwers in the game throwing for distance. It's different than most people ever can really conceive in their mind until you actually see it. It's it's really special. So I think as like a combo event, it could it could be something that, that they should look into uh, the pro tour especially. Um, all right, one thing I was very curious about the prize money was really great for this event, um, but one thing that came along with the prize money was a generator. They gave each of you a generator for your win. So my question, we'll start with you, Ella. What have you done or are you going to do with your generator? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, well, last year I was traveling in a minivan, and so I actually literally could not put the, the generator in my van, and also I had to sleep in it. So even if I could have fit it, I, it, w- it wouldn't have really worked out. Um, so I actually ended up selling it to Paige Pierce, and there you she go. took it on home with her. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I was going to say that. It seems like the type of prize that a lot of people would just sell off right away. David, do you still have your generator? I still have it. Nice. <laughs> I actually have, I live on a boat. And I already have a diesel generator on board it, but uh, I've got it sitting in my storage unit here. Might Just a good backup. Handy. Yeah, for hurricane season and everything. Maybe yeah. a friend will need it. Or something. I, I was thinking, we'll so I was like, I, I knew you had the houseboat, so I was like, I'm, surely David has a use for the generator because not many people would know what to do with a $1,500 generator. I, I probably yeah, it's sold a pretty it to the sweet prize, boat. though. Yeah, I was honestly, excited yeah. to get that. Yeah. It, it's definitely cool that they that they brought that in. I mean, the prize money was awesome. Um, all right, so one last thing I wanted to ask. This is kind of specifically for Ella. Your Twitter handle is Bagel Powered. Um, I always thought that was a really cool Twitter handle, and I'm going to assume, based on that and your tweets, that you're a big fan of bagels. That would be correct. Yes. Safe assumption. <laughs> well, first of all, where does that where does that originate from? Is that just a, just a lifelong love of bagels? Yeah, I mean, my I'm Jewish and my whole family's Jewish, so I grew up eating bagels, and you know they're just so good. <laughs> How hey, can you I, resist? I can't. I, I yeah, I can't disagree with that. Um, so, with that being said, I like to do power rankings on this. So we're gonna do Ella Hansen's official power rankings: top three bagels all time. Wow. Um, okay, this might be controversial, but first, my Perfect. favorite is sesame. My favorite okay. is sesame. That's gotta be number one. Um, hmm. This is tough. I'm probably gonna go salt bagel, and then everything. Mm, Sesame okay. salt, everything. So That's you definitely probably... stick on the savory side, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a savory person. I'm not not really into the sweets as much. Okay, David, do you concur, or what would your top three bagels be? I'm a big biscuit guy. Ooh, okay. <laughs> I like a biscuit. Yeah. Yeah. Fair I, enough. Yeah. I, um... But uh. Go ahead. I was going to say, my grandma worked at Panera growing up, so she'd mm. always bring some bagels. I like, they had like a cheese bagel that was really good. Yeah. So I actually, if I had to pick one, it would be like a cheese bagel. I had a Panera plug as well when I was growing up. I had I had a friend who worked there. And it was bring, solid. Yeah. yeah, it was good to me. They had the, the cinnamon crunch ones from Panera were always, I was a big fan of them. Now, as Panera bagels, like that. Ella, if you're like a, a bagel connoisseur, is that like too corporate for you? Or does it need to be more... 
Is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean they're not they're not the worst bagels. They're better than like Thomas bagels from the grocery store. I could know? see it written all over your face. You heard Panera and, and you were internally. <laughs> Panera's like, oh. not the worst. I that like in terms of like fast food chains or I guess it's not really fast food, but you know what yeah. I mean. It, they're not the worst, but there's definitely much better bagels out there. Well, what's the best bagel that like our listeners could just buy at a store? Hmm. Well, if you're on the west or the east coast. Most grocery store bagels are better than West Coast bagels. West Coast bagels aren't that good, honestly. Oh, wow. No shade to the West Coast. There's some good spots, but um, probably on the West Coast, if you're really going to go into specifics, Izzy's Bagels in Palo Alto is really good. Palo Alto, okay. California. Um, and, yeah, on the East Coast, like, there's a lot of good spots. It's yeah. mostly pretty good. <laughs> okay, that's good to know. I'm on the right coast, I guess, for bagel enjoyment. I did have Missy Gannon on at one point, and she said that like New York bagels were like the best thing that New York does. So mm-hmm. I feel like I have to really get in on that. Um, all right. Well, a little bit of a detour there, but I feel like we had to talk about bagels because, you know, that was important. Um, but other than that, uh, thanks to both of you for coming on the show today. Um, congratulations again on the distance championship. Um, I'm sure we'll see many more distance titles for each of you in the future. And we're excited to see how the distance uh, competition game evolves in the next few years. Cause I think there's some interest there. I think the pro tour, um, and the network specifically probably, uh, found out firsthand just how much, many people want to watch that. Uh, if you are interested in watching Ella and David both dominate their competition, you can go to YouTube right now, watch it. Just search for the distance competition on there. You'll find it on the Pro Tour channel. And there's a really cool broadcast. has a ton of awesome technology built into it, showing the speed they were throwing, the distance every disc was landing, um, some awesome drone shots. It's a very good time to watch, so I highly recommend going over and watching that. But other than that, Ella, David, thanks for joining the show. Thank you. Thanks, Trevor. See you, Ella. See you. All right, thanks again to Ella and David for joining the show today. Really cool hearing uh, from them about the distance competition. I think that it was a really successful event. And once again, if you haven't seen it, you can go to um, the Pro Tour YouTube channel. You can go ahead and watch that video. It's got a ton of views already, and it's a really good time. It's really cool the way they did the real-time speed tracking and distance tracking for the throws, so it makes it super easy to follow. Uh, So highly recommend checking that out. It'll be interesting to see what distance competitions look like moving forward. Other than that, we'll see you next week with another great episode.